Hello, and welcome back to the Cuse Conversations podcast. My name is John Boccasino, the communications specialist in Syracuse University's Office of Alumni Engagement. I'm also a 2003 graduate of the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications with a degree in broadcast journalism. I am so glad you found our podcast. Well, folks, today we have a really special uh, program for you on the Cuse Conversations Alumni Podcast. We are going to be talking about the Our Time Has Come Scholarship, which if you're not aware, we're going to dive deep into the impact that this scholarship makes in creating possibilities for Black and Latino and Latina students here at Syracuse University. There have been more than 1,500 scholarships that have been awarded as part of the Our Time Has Come Scholarship. And this day and age, with everything we're dealing with, with COVID-19, with the social justice campaign that's taking place across the country and across the world, it's more important than ever before to make sure that these students are given every possible access to succeed here at Syracuse University through the Our Time Has Come Scholarship. And we have three esteemed guests that are going to join us here on the podcast to talk about their role at Syracuse University and how the Our Time Has Come Scholarship has benefited hundreds of students in making a difference here on campus. I want to start off with Rachel Vassell, who is going to join us here. She is a proud alumna who will have some great things to say about both Syracuse University and the Office of Multicultural Advancement. Rachel, thank you for making the time. Thank you, John. Great to be here. It's great to have you on here. You've been a, a proud collaborator with my office and alumni engagement, and now we get to do the podcast here together talking about the Our Time Has Come Scholarship. Before we get into the details of the scholarship, give our listeners a little background into yourself, uh, your role here at Syracuse, and, uh, and what Syracuse means to you being an alumna. Yes, sure. Well, my, um, my title is um, Assistant Vice President for the Office of Multicultural Advancement. We are the lead fundraising and alumni engagement office for alumni of color. And um, I've been uh, in the role for just about four years. Uh, I love it because I get to work with uh, alumni, some of my former classmates at Syracuse. I was um, Newhouse in Management, class of 1991. Um, and I also have a son on campus. My husband went to Syracuse, so we're quite the Orange family, and it's great to see that um, the Orange spirit continues on through this program and, and all the great things that are happening on campus today. It's always nice to have a legacy family here on the podcast, which is our fun designation for people to have multiple uh, lines of orange on their family tree. And Rachel, it's great to hear your, uh, your story, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the role of the scholarship and uh, with your Office of Multicultural Advancement. I want to bring on one of your esteemed colleagues, a fellow alumna. She actually has two degrees uh, from Syracuse University. She is Maria Lopez joining us here on the podcast. Maria, welcome. Thank you, John. It's great to have you on the podcast, Maria. Why don't you uh, do the same thing as Rachel? Give a little background on yourself, uh, what your, uh, your study was here at Syracuse and what your role is with the Office of Multicultural Advancement. So uh, my undergraduate experience was, or I majored in sociology, and my graduate degree is in higher education. So my focus since undergrad has been providing opportunity and access to underrepresented students, particularly um, Black and Latinx, um, Latino, Latina students um, at predominantly white institutions. So since I've graduated, um, or since 2007, um, I became a full-time employee at Syracuse University working with first-generation um, underrepresented students as student support services and recently joined the Office of Multicultural Advancement to work with the Our Time Has Come Scholars. 
you're a welcome addition to, uh, to any team here on campus. Maria, I know that you bring a lot of energy and wisdom, and we'll get to your role as well here with the Office of Multicultural Advancement. But we want to bring on now a student who has directly benefited from the Our Time Has Come Scholarship. Her name is Sophia Rossi. She is joining us here on the podcast as well. Sophia, it's so nice to meet you here. Thank you for making the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. Thank you. Give, uh, same question for you, Sophia. Give our audience a little background as to yourself, uh, what year in school you are here at Syracuse, and uh, what you're studying. Yeah, sure. So my name again is Sophia Rossi. My pronouns are she, hers, her. And I'm a junior double majoring in policy studies and citizenship and civic engagement in the Maxwell School with a minor in Whitman in business. Sophia, you know, we all understand there's so many challenges associated with being a student during this day and age. And especially at Syracuse University, we really try to pride ourselves on creating diverse opportunities uh, for the students on campus. Being a recipient of the Our Time Has Come Scholarship, first of all, how did you go about the process of, of applying and getting selected to be one of the recipients? Well, so I became an Our Time Has Come Scholar in fall of 2018, so right as my freshman year. I'm graduating in 2022. Um, so I came in as an Our Time Has Come Scholar, and I um, frankly was very worried about the finances coming into Syracuse, as many Syracuse University students are, especially um, students of color because my dad was a stay-at-home dad. He runs his own IT business at home um, and my mom is a guidance counselor in an inner city public school district. So we were very much on the verge of um, making not enough to be able to afford college and not giving, get, not getting any money at all, which I know that that's a struggle for many of my peers as well. Um, so coming into SU, my mom said I wasn't able to come if we couldn't afford it and I completely understood that um, I didn't want to put my parents or myself at any burden in the future. So I really looked for every opportunity um, to be able to not only support my finances, but support myself as a student and as a Latina student on campus. Um, coming from a predominantly white high school as well, I had always had some difficulties finding my place as a Latina student, especially because I'm a white passing Latina student. It was oftentimes um, students parents, peers, invalidating half of me. Um, and I was worried about that coming into a, a predominantly white institution as well, where um, I am a white passing student. People often say that I'm not one if I wasn't born there. Um, my family's Brazilian. My dad was born in Brazil. He moved here when he was 18. I'm a proud Brazilian all the way around. Um, so I really wanted to look for a community that embraced me and who I was while still uplifting my values and experiences. So I um, got in touch with Ms. Angela, and then from then on, I've, I've been sticking around. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, for those listening, Angela Morales-Patterson is the Director of Operations and Partnerships, who plays a pivotal role, again, in the Office of Multicultural Advancement. And I'm sure Rachel and Maria could sing her praises till we're all blue or orange in the face with the great work that she does here on campus. Um, Sophia, before I go to our colleagues here, I do want to focus a little more on your story about the scholarship. And, you know, it's, 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 it's disheartening, but it's also uh, encouraging to hear you say that you didn't want to put your parents behind the eight ball of going to a school where you just either couldn't afford to or you would emerge with massive amounts of debt because you're not setting yourself up for, you know, a bright future. You don't want to come out of school with $200,000 worth of, of debt, no matter how great the degree is. So, your involvement with Our Time Has Come, being a scholarship recipient, um, 
what did you have to do to, uh, to, to, to earn this, uh, this award, to earn this scholarship? And clearly you're a great academic person and you have a great personality. So I'm sure it was a slam dunk on that end of it, but <laughs> how did you kind of, uh, have, what did you have to do to become a, a recipient? So going into the application process, I'm not quite sure if it's changed since then um, in terms of question wise, but I had to discuss a little bit about my identity um, other than the finances and show what um, my parents and I had earned. I've been working since I was 13, any time that I could. So I'd really tried to contribute as much as I could financially. Um, obviously, 13-year-olds don't make that much money, neither do younger <laughs> high school students. So um, my financial contributions were pretty slim. So other than uh, the application discussing what my experiences were, what my interest was in the program, um, my primary focus was on what I wanted to gain from the program as well and what I wanted to learn uh, going forward into school. And obviously, Sophia, there's been, uh, you know, I mentioned in the introduction, more than 1,500 recipients of the Our Time Has Come Scholarship have walked through the doors of Syracuse University. So you're the latest in a long and proud line of recipients. Rachel, let's go back in history a little bit and, uh, and talk about the beginnings of this scholarship. What was the origin story behind the Our Time Has Come Scholarship? Yeah, so we, um, first of all, I'll say that this program is a great tradition at Syracuse. It's something that we've done for over 30 years, and it's something that we're really proud of. It's not new for us to uh, provide a, a layer of extra support for diverse students at Syracuse that's been acknowledged for a long time. And um, we just really want to continue to build on it, especially now with everything that's going on. So when we started in uh, um, this program back in, in the 80s, uh, it, was, it was founded by, um, it was created by uh, the founder of our office, Robert Hill, who was at the time a, a public relations professional at Syracuse, um, worked directly for the chancellor at the time and um, thought that it would be helpful not only for us to have uh, an opportunity for diverse alumni to come together as part of a reunion, but also to have a scholarship fund that supports students of color at Syracuse. So since then, um, we've been building this endowment, which is um, an endowment that is the largest now for this purpose on our campus. And it has, uh, to your earlier point, served, um, you know, we've, we've awarded 1,500 scholarships um, and since the beginning, we've had a 100% graduation rate for the program. So um, the students uh, not only receive dollars now, they, they also receive some of the newer components to the program, which include a leadership development um, component and also a, um, a mentoring um, program, which allows us to connect uh, some of our successful alumni of color back to the university through the program and um, and those alumni come to campus to speak. Um, they uh, mentor our students one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we have a series of TED Talk style sessions uh, where um, alumni can come and share what they've been through, their experience at Syracuse, their um, professional experiences. And, um, and it's really special, I think, for students to be able to see alumni that look like them with similar cultural backgrounds and um, even regional backgrounds to come back to campus to show them that they can do it too. Um, that's, that's hugely important to have role models that look like you. So we really try to make those connections. Um, as, a, as an alumna myself, who was a first generation college student, it was really important for me um, to see people like that in my day at Syracuse. And I'm always thrilled to see alumni returning 
um, even now. I think that um, we have a really great alumni base, John, you know this from your work in, in alumni engagement. They're always willing to support our students, come back, um, share what they know. And I think that that's something that's really special about Syracuse University. Um, and uh, we, we, we try to foster that as much as we can through the program. The power of the Orange Network, Network really, really is, vast, is vast, vast with there being, you know, 241,000 alumni across the world who, who bleed orange. And, and I want to go back, Rachel, to another point about the history behind the scholarship. They say that every opportunity uh, comes out of a need. And the fact that this came around 30 years ago, what exactly, uh, from what you understand of it, was the need out there that wasn't being met, that wasn't being satisfied when it came to providing this vital financial aid to these students who probably didn't have nearly as much of a, a access to the financial aid as their, as their peers? Yeah, I mean, I think financial aid is a problem for all students, but as you know, in, in some of the communities, and especially um, when you're first generation, um, you, you have significant financial need. I remember being in that position. I remember going to the bursar's office and trying to get extensions and trying to register and just really doing everything that I could over the summer to return to Syracuse. So there are some, some students that really have um, a lot of extra challenges, and we just try to alleviate those challenges through this program. I don't think that has really changed um, since the beginning of our time has come um, back in the 80s. I think there's still significant need. We're still serving quite a few first-generation students. Um, tuition, as you know, has increased. And so with that, there's a need for additional financial aid as well, or students are graduating with significant debt. And so if we can help them to graduate with less um, less debt and um, more of an opportunity to have a, a fresh start when they graduate um, and be successful and not have so much of a financial burden. We really want to do that. But it's more than that. I think being a predominantly white campus, uh, sometimes, you know, you, you're, you have a difficult time finding your place if you're, you're different or you, you don't feel like you can relate to the majority of the students. So this gives our students a home where they can connect with not only alumni that um, can relate to who they are and wh where they've come from and what they've been through, but other students that can do that. I think the peer-to-peer -peer component of this program is also really strong. And I'll also say I'm very proud of the fact that our team is a very diverse team. And so um, even the, the um, staff like Maria and Angela, who you mentioned before, who's been with us 21 years, um, they um, have seen it all, have worked with lots of students, and um, they, they just bring a comfort, I think, that is hard to find um, in the day-to-day the, the -day lives of, of students of color. Um, so we, you know, there's, there's just a, a feeling of being at home, I think, in our group that we can provide to the students. That's, that helps. It really does. And when it comes, Maria, I want to turn this question to you about the, the, the requirements, uh, the backdrop of the students who happen to be our scholarship recipients. What are exactly the specific criteria that someone must um, meet? And what type of student are you looking for when awarding out these scholarships? So the Our Time Has Come Scholar applicant needs to be um, a full-time student, has to have a minimum of a 2.5 GPA, uh, be a U.S. citizen or permanent resident. Um, and um, to be awarded a scholarship, you have to show an academic need, and then we determine by merit, or a financial need, and then we determine by merit. So what we look for in a scholar is someone who is willing to engage and participate um, in the Our Time Has Come Scholarship program, 
which is centered around leadership and leadership skills. So they don't have to be the top leader, but show potential to be able to um, engage with our alumni, be a member of the Syracuse University Orange family, um, and want to give back. Um, I think that's probably the most important piece is to want to give back to their peers, to want to give back to the university um, and to the greater community. Um, we hope in this program or what our goal is, is to help our students take the skills that they already have and enhance them so that they can move forward in their careers. We want to see them advance as students. We also want to see them advance professionally because our scholars are leaders. Um, and we want to make sure that they're in a position to be able to continue to do that as um, a student and also as an alum into the greater community. The, the word leadership, Maria, gets tossed around, I hate to say it, but pretty cavalierly when it comes to right. a lot of, you know, describing what people look for in their students. But I can really tell that this is a serious tenant uh, of the scholarship program. When you say leadership skills, what are some examples of some of the past recipients? You, know, you can maybe make Sophia blush if you want to and talk about her leadership <laughs> skills as well, but you know, kind of describe what you're looking for in terms of that leadership role. I'm gonna say that there's someone who's able to help others build as they climb. Are they able to engage their peers? Are they able to engage their colleagues in a way that is going to enhance their community? So that could be a tutor. That could be someone who is willing to have those tough conversations, also someone who's willing to share their skills um, to help others succeed. And then the fact that Sophia, you know, you, have, you were chosen obviously to be one of these uh, scholarship recipients. And we do talk about the leadership piece, like we just mentioned with Maria. How do you feel, Sophia, you embody that leadership role that they're looking for out of the recipients? Oh, so I, I think that leadership can be taught and practiced but for me in particular I feel as though um, my out I'm a very outgoing person I've always felt that my my empathy and my listening have been my my best and strongest qualities that really push me to be the best leader that I can um, so in terms of actual things that I do on campus Maria is laughing because she knows that uh, I'm way busier than I need to be <laughs> <laughs> but it's really what I what I want to be engaged in, and I I understand that my activities and what I choose to engage in are all intersectional in me being able to uplift the community around me. Um, so in terms of some sort of leadership opportunities that I had uh, taken advantage of, so right coming into Syracuse as a freshman, um, my passion, as I mentioned, I'm a citizenship and civic engagement major. Um, I as well as policy studies. So the two of them are inherently intersectional as it is but my really my passion really is in the nonprofit and government agency sectors and it's a difficult field to be in especially as an underrepresented person as a woman as a, a latina student it's difficult to force your voice into a space that um is constantly belittling people that sound like you that look like you that um have qualities that you really think highly of. Um, so I always try to take the extra steps to go above and beyond to make sure that other students, um, my peers, faculty members, any community members really felt as though they had a voice in the space that they're in. So right off the bat, um, I got involved in working at Vera House and at the Boys and Girls Club of Central Village. And I just got off my Vera House shift today. Um, I've been with them, both organizations, for the last two years. Um, and I 
didn't think I was going to be able to do it at Vera House. I'm still and have been since the beginning the youngest person who's on their staff. Um, it's a welcoming space. I love being there and I do orders of protection um, at the courthouse. Everything's been virtual since then. And at the Boys and Girls Club, I really strive to be a role model for the students there um, because our boys and I'm at Central Village and that Boys and Girls Club specifically is um, all minority students. Many of them are in foster care. Many of them are refugee students. And uh, they don't see a lot of um, white passing <laughs> students come in unless they're volunteers. And I really found that um, being a student who listens to them and I use my privilege, even though I'm a Latina student, I, everybody has to recognize their privilege where it is. Um, going into a space, not just as a volunteer looking for service hours, which is what the common trade among college students tends to be. I really wanted to be consistent and show that, um, you know, these students can look like themselves, act like themselves, come from where they come from, and also be listened to um, by adults and be talked to as they are people and not as young children. So um, those are some of my proudest leadership uh, opportunities that I really will be staying with them. Their beer house and the Boys and Girls Club have become families to me. I, I love the students. I, I miss all of the people at both organizations dearly since everything has been online and canceled. But uh, in terms of on-campus activities, so my sophomore year last year, I got involved with Student Association, which you know is our student government organization on campus. Um, I was appointed as co-chair of community engagement last year. This year, I was just elected um, this past Monday as co-chair of student life. Sophia, there's no worries at all about bragging. It's, it's, it's <laughs> well-deserved. I can tell that you're somebody who takes a lot of pride in in your studies and getting involved in your community. And that really, again, goes back to the embodiment of what this scholarship is all about. Maria, when you go through the vetting process, you know, people can appear one way on paper, or maybe you get to meet them and they could put one projection of themselves out there. But you spent 30 seconds with Sophia. I can tell she's a special student, somebody who really is deserving of this. What does that do for you when you know that your office, you really hit a home run when it came to picking your scholarship recipients? I think it's great for us. Um, we feel like we have those that, or scholars that are going to be able to help the community grow. And by the community, not just the scholars, but also the university community. We have several scholars like Sophia who are engaged in enhancing the experience for everyone here. So when our students take pride in the work that they do, whether it's one leadership opportunity or 20, um, that is something that enhances uh, what the experience is like, not just for um, Black and Latino students on campus, but also for all students on campus. You really, you raise up the profile of the institution when all of, when all of us, when it's an inclusive atmosphere and everybody feels they have an access to the education and the financial aid that, again, is the linchpin, really, of getting our Syracuse University degree. And, and Rachel, I want to go to you with this next question about the alumni tie-in to the Our Time Has Come Scholarship Program. It, to me, seems like such a natural fit. And for people that have been program graduates, to get to talk to Sophia, to be reignited their passion for Syracuse by hearing her energy and her enthusiasm, I'm sure you've seen countless examples, but what has been the biggest takeaway that the alumni tell you for why this program has really meant so much to them when it comes to being a scholarship recipient? Yeah, I mean, we could do nothing without our alumni and donors and friends of Syracuse who support the program. So we really appreciate them. And we want our students to know that they should also recognize um, that there are people, some people that they've never met before that are supporting their Syracuse education. 
um, that, and we ask our, our students to um, send uh, written thank you notes to, to donors. Um, we ask them to participate in class acts so that they begin their um, philanthropy and make sure that they're giving back to the university. And we tell them that we expect when they can, when they're able and when they're alumni, that they will support the program as well for the next generation. Because what our alumni care most about is just legacy, that, that the traditions that come from these communities that we serve remain at Syracuse and grow and that the next generation has those um, that history to draw from and to know that they can they can accomplish things. So it's really important for us to be intentional about connecting our students with with donors and alumni so that they know that their their dollars are going to some they're being fed to um, students that really deserve it that um, are, are really strong and that they can be proud of. And I think the scholars want want the donors to be proud of them as well. Yeah, I'm glad you bring up the the donors, the donors and the dollar aspect of supporting this to make sure, you know, there's a saying on the shoulders of giants, you know, none of us get here where we are without help from someone before us. And Sophia, you're on the coattails of people who were previous scholars who helped to establish this fine program. What, Sophia, would you say to a donor who happens to, or a potential donor who's listening to the podcast, their curiosity has been piqued about the scholarship, why should somebody give back and support this arm of the fundraising angle to make sure that, you know, future our time has come scholars have the same access that you've had to your education here on campus. Well, I guess first and foremost, I'd say thank you to our donors already for uh, supporting and uplifting me as a student, but also my peers. Um, Maria said it before, any, any one of our, our time has come scholars as, is as equally enthusiastic about the activities that they're involved in. And um, I'm definitely just, one person out of many who really works hard to make this university better. And I really wouldn't have the experience that I'm having without my peers in the Our Time Has Come program. So I wanted to accredit that a little bit. So um, in terms of future uh, potential donors or future Our Time Has Come scholars, I would say um, the pay it forward aspect is definitely monumental in how I think. Um, I think in the United States specifically, specifically we think about um, interchangeable how one thing benefits me and vice versa and we've definitely seen that in the covid pandemic um wear your mask to protect yourself but in other countries they're thinking wear your mask to protect those around you and i think that mindset is something that um we definitely see in a broader capitalist society and we definitely um see a lot of it on a predominantly white wealthy campus among students and i would say to future donors to remember that uplifting the communities around you. You said it before, if you're uplifting people, especially people of color, especially underrepresented people, you want to have a diverse space that you're working in because you're only going to make, you know, your own perspectives grow. You're only going to strengthen your own understanding of the world around you. I think that global citizenship is a very important aspect of this conversation. And I think that in order to be a productive society as a whole, we need to focus on uplifting the voices that aren't always listened to. And that goes to me listening to the little problems that I hear of the kids of the Boys and Girls Club, even if um, they might seem minuscule to me, these, these kids are gonna remember the conversations the next week and the week after, and they're gonna remember your response. And just as they're just as impressionable as um, any other student, we have to remember that college students are very impressionable too. We're gonna remember um, who treated us well. We're gonna remember who listened, who, heard what we're trying to say, um, especially in such a political environment now. I think that listening to the needs of young people, especially listening to the needs of young people of color, 
um, is a really important conversation. I think that it's important to remember that um, not, not just the fact that everybody's going to benefit when you benefit um, people of color, but I think that you need to remember that just by doing well by someone is inherently making our Syracuse community, but our broader global community a better place. I know that one direct area we can again make a difference is with this Our Time Has Come scholarship. I know, uh, Rachel, we talked a little bit before about just why this is so important. What are some uh, other ways, other unique aspects you can think of, including, I know there is some news with a named scholarship that's taking place this year, which is a new opportunity. So how, again, should people get involved and what are the best ways that our alumni can make a difference when it comes to this deserving scholarship? Well, I agree that during this time of unrest, we, you know, we would encourage all alumni to support this important program. Um, when you think about what students of color are going through from the coronavirus's disproportionate impact on their communities to international protests following the death of George Floyd, to the political climate in America and the division that we're seeing right now, all of that trickles down to these students and um, there's a need to counteract that negativity with intentional acts of support and love. And I believe that giving is an act of love. It really is. Um, uh, so if you're a member of, of uh, affected communities or an ally of those communities, we welcome your support in this program. Um, we do have a unique um, and new uh, focus on scholarships this fall as part of our Forever Orange campaign. And it's going to allow donors who'd like to create named scholarships um, uh, for the university and pay those scholarship commitments over five years. Um, it's called the five by five. And so it's $5,000 every year for the next five years for a total of $25,000 um, for a named scholarship. And that's really unique because um, typically our named scholarships are set at $100,000. So this will um, open the, the door for many people who maybe never thought they'd have a scholarship in their name or never thought that they could support a student through a scholarship, that this is a really unique time that they can do that through this five for five program. And um, our team in multicultural advancement would love to talk with anyone who'd be interested in, in supporting uh, scholars like Sophia and, um, the, you know, and, and, and others um, through this program. So we, we welcome that and, and appreciate any support at any level, honestly. And, and again, it's one of those things where there's no amount that's, that's too small to, to give back. It would be great if somebody stepped up and said, here's a quarter of a million dollars to ensure the future of our time has come is, is bright and vibrant. But I know we'll get there together because we really are all in this together. That message has been hammered home time and time again. All of our events have gone virtual, which is unfortunate that coming back together the every, uh, every third year, it's just the greatest party. It's such a great celebration of our people of color, the alumni coming back. We have our Orange Central has gone virtual this year as well, but coming back together is going virtual this year. And there's a really cool event that I would like to hear uh, from either Maria or Rachel about our coming back together virtual and especially focusing on the telethon that will be benefiting Our Time Has Come Scholars. So take it away, Maria or Rachel, who wants to address this fun topic? Well, first of all, CBT is a really great opportunity for our students to meet the donors that support them. Um, we hate that we can't do that this year on campus, but um, students and alumni can come together through our day-long free 
uh, virtual CBT reunion on October 16th. It's a Friday and it's going to start at nine o'clock in the morning. We'll have programs throughout the day and then from seven to nine we'll be hosting an Our Time Has Come telethon um, which will give us the opportunity to fundraise for the program. You'll hear from um, students uh, who are receiving the scholarships. You'll hear from donors and their motivations for giving. We'll have some performances. Um, Vanessa Williams will be a part of the, um, the telethon, so we're really excited about that. Um, and then throughout the day, there's going to be really great special guests. We have Sunny Hostin from The View. Um, we have Yami Shalsendor from PBS NewsHour to talk a little about politics. Um, so it's going to be a really fantastic day of events, just a sample of what we do when we come to campus for the basically four-day weekend that we, we host every three years. Um, and Maria is going to be giving an update as well on the Our Time Has Come program um, on the 16th as well. So. Maria, your turn. Feel free to add. I'd love to hear your perspective on coming back together. And of course, we if people haven't attended an in-person one, this year what's really cool too is there's going to be some awesome after-hour parties with some DJs really spinning some hot beats out there for our <laughs> alumni who want to come back. And you, know, you can still get your groove on even though we're in the virtual space out here. <laughs> this yeah. will, parties are legendary, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, this year with virtual CBT, our scholars are going to be present and engage with our um, alumni and campus community. So it'll be a great way to meet um, our successful um, students and engage with them in the opportunities that are available. So um, CBT is something I've always looked forward to as a student, and I was fortunate to start engaging in that as of my sophomore year, which is how I started to develop a relationship with the staff in the office. Um, but, you know, we, I've always been able to cherish um, the relationships and mentorships that um, developed from CBT, and I'm looking forward to sharing this with the scholars this year. And our, these scholars are actually going to be, well, some of them are going to be lucky enough to experience two CBT events, one virtual and one in person. Um, so um, I hope that alumni and my fellow alumni will take advantage of engaging with the students that are on campus now and they're having a unique experience um, this year with being virtual. So um, any way that our alumni can join them in celebrating, you know, what it means to be orange, um, I think would be great for everyone. The festivities begin at nine in the morning and they go till midnight or maybe a little later with the after party. They are legendary <laughs> as Rachel had mentioned earlier. I can't recommend enough alumni who listen to this, go register for the virtual coming back together. And also to give to the Our Time Has Come scholarship, you can visit alumni-of-color.syr.edu backslash give-now uh, to make your support for the Our Time Has Come scholarship. Sophia, I have to say uh, a bright future you have for yourself. We're very proud of all your accomplishments and we wish you nothing but the best of luck. And Rachel and Maria, I know the office is in great hands, the Office of Multicultural Advancement with the great work you guys are putting out there, sustaining this scholarship 30 plus years going strong and next 30 years will be just as bright, if not brighter, thanks to alumni who can step up and really make a difference in this scholarship. Everyone, thank you for your time and please go support the Our Time Has Come Scholarship. This has been our episode of the Q's Conversations podcast. We thank you for your time. Thanks for checking out the latest installment of the Cuse Conversations podcast. You can find our podcast on all of your major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. 
You can also find our podcast at alumni.syr.edu slash Conversations and anchor.fm slash Conversations. My name is John Boccasino signing off for the Cuse Conversations podcast.